0: All right, guys, find a seat. Uh, Welcome to Free Church. Happy Memorial Day. Um, We have so many holidays in our nation, especially kind of one surrounding things that are relative to the military, that sometimes we forget, like, what Memorial Day actually is, um, but it's a day to honor those who we've lost um, to serving our nation. So those who have served our nation through military service and have lost their lives, that's what Memorial Day is actually about. So if you've had family members that um, you've lost because they've been serving their nation, thank you for your sacrifice um, as it's, it's uh, just so humbling to know that your family, that your loved ones gave their life for us um, to some extent. And that's, that's a beautiful. And I hope that you have some great Memorial Day plans. This is some fantastic Memorial Day weather, and so um, I hope that you have something fun to do tomorrow, and I hope that you don't have to work tomorrow. If you do, find a new job. <laughs> it's a holiday, but somebody's got to feed us, right? Somebody, some, somebody's got somebody's to be in the stores, so thank you for your service if you're working tomorrow. Uh, brief announcements here. Uh, I know Stephanie had a couple, and I just want to just build on what she said. Please do um, come next week to our work day, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck type of a thing. We believe as a church that if you are saved by Jesus, that you serve. Um, that DNA statement we have as a church says that we're not consumers, but that everyone contributes to kingdom growth with time, talent, and with treasure. And so um, just come interact next week. Find somewhere that you can serve. We're doing a lot of indoor work as well. We actually have a lot of painting to do. Uh, Don't volunteer to paint if you are not good at painting, (laughs) but we have a lot of different things that you can be doing to help beautify this space and prepare us for the summer. Also, um, something else I wanted to share is that on July the 18th, so July, I'm sorry, no, let me start over, July, very confused by dates today, July the 9th, so July the 9th, we're doing baptisms, we have water baptisms, and we started doing those as a church quarterly, just because it helps people know when they can sign up and get prepared to be baptized. So if you'd like to take that next step in your faith and be baptized in water, we're doing that on July the 9th. So Sunday, July the 9th. Thinking about that, is it the 9th? Yeah, it is. It is July the 9th. Again, very confusing dates. Uh, One more confusing date, June 11th. June 11th, that is coming up in just two weeks. So on June 11th, we're going to be honoring graduates here at Free Church, and so if you have graduated from high school, if you've graduated from college, if you've received a master's degree or your PhD in something, or if you finished a trade school, or if you have um, moved up in the military and finished a military training or program, we want to honor you. Uh, Kristen Oakleberry in our office this week, she was starting to interact with um, some people in our church about honoring them for graduation. And we had Paula Lehman had sent Kristen and I had a picture of her son Evan in his white cap and gown and wanted to know if we could honor the cutest graduate on our graduation Sunday and we said no, we can't. We're not about honoring kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've accomplished nothing in life. Wow. And so we're, we're, so if you had a kindergarten graduate or a preschool graduate or a fifth grade graduate or an eighth grade graduate, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> We're going we're to honor those who've graduated or finished high school, okay? Um, which, th- what a great accomplishment that is. So we're going to honor those on June the 11th. So the reason I'm even mentioning it is please tell us, if, if that's you, talk to one of our leaders here. And there's a form on our app, too. We just want to make sure we can honor them. And that's all i got to say. So we are in this series right now called Open Doors. This is why we've got a door up toward our stage. This will be up here for the next two months as we're going to go through this series in the months of May and June as we prepare um, to really dig into the summer and the month of July. So this big idea is this uh, being in a season of open doors and that if we want to walk into a season of open doors that we have to walk through the door who is Jesus. Jesus says in John 10, I am the door Says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so we believe as Christians that God has opened a door to salvation and relationship with him through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that those who want to receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of salvation, they must receive it in faith by walking through the door of life, which is Jesus, and by opening the doors of their heart to allow Jesus access to every area in their life and in their heart. And so for the unbeliever, if you want to walk through that door, you put your faith in Jesus. And for the believer, we must continuously listen to the knock on the door of our heart and allow Jesus to dwell within us continuously and give him access to every area in our life. And so we've talked about those. And then last week, we discussed the idea of open heavens, that I believe right now we are in a season culturally of open heavens. While God is with us through Christ, God is in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we as Christians and we as the church of Christ, we are the body of Christ. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, I believe we have access to God at all times because God's in us and we are in a season of open heavens where God pours out his spirit in miraculous and unique ways in certain times more than others. And I think that if we steward this time well, I think we're in a time like that currently. And the reason why the Lord pours out his presence, the reason why we find ourselves in seasons of open heavens is because God is wanting to equip us and God is wanting to empower us for the work that is at hand. So open heavens and open doors it's not for us alone. It is for those who are lost. And I believe that the work that God is equipping us for right now is a season of open doors of effectiveness. And so week one of this series, we just called it Open Doors. Week two was Open Heavens. And week three, uh, today's message is Open Effectiveness. Um, Next week will be the most important message in this series, and it's called open tent flaps. So in the season of camping, uh, open tent flaps will be next week. But this week, open effectiveness. And what I mean by open effectiveness is what we're going to talk about today is I believe right now we are in a season of open doors for faith. A season of open doors for the gospel to be preached and to be received. And I believe that during the season of open doors that there is this, this open door of effectiveness for sharing the gospel. And I believe that with all my heart. But the issue that we have is Christians, and I believe that that most Christians, um, not all, but most Christians probably won't recognize this door. Most Christians probably wouldn't recognize such an open door of effectiveness of sharing the gospel because sharing the gospel is the last thing on your mind. Sharing the gospel is often the last things on our mind because we're so focused on our own lives. We're so focused on our personal relationship with Jesus that we forget that there is a world perishing without Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you today that sharing the gospel is the reason that you and I exist. You might say, well, pastor, don't we exist for plenty of things? And the answer is yes, ultimately, we exist to glorify God. We exist to glorify God and to be in relationship with him, to honor God and to give God all the honor that is due his name. But sharing the gospel is the reason that we exist at this point on earth. And the reason why this is the reason we exist for this point on earth is because if everybody has heard the gospel, which they haven't, if everyone had received the gospel, which we're far from that, then we would not be here as we know here to be. we say, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, I know that the Bible says that Jesus will return once the gospel has been preached to all the corners of the earth. And I know that if everyone had heard and if everyone had received, then, then we would be in a new heaven, and a new earth, where we wouldn't need to share the gospel because everyone who would be living alongside of us would be brothers and sisters who have received the gospel. And so we have time left to reach people. Oftentimes, Christians look so forward to the return of Jesus, and they'll be like, I just hope that Jesus returns tomorrow. And while I acknowledge that would be nice, I also lament over the fact that the sooner that Jesus comes back, the less time there is for people to hear the gospel. So we must use this time wisely. Because the mission that Jesus gave the church was this. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus says, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus says, as I'm sending you out, don't worry because I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The mission of Jesus is the reason why we exist. That's really a response to the word mission. Mission is an answer to the question, why do I exist? Why do you and I exist? We exist for the mission of Jesus. Each and every one of us has a mission to share the gospel. Each and every one of us has missions that we exist for in this life. But as a church, at Free Church, our mission statement is this. The reason we exist as a church is this. It is to connect people to an everlasting committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. And I see that we have some kids in here today. And when I say kids in the realm of this service, I'm going to say people under the age of 18. Um, We had a lot of little kids in our first service. But kids under the age of 18, if the first one of you next Sunday, June 4th, the first one of you who come and say, Pastor Anthony, I've memorized our mission statement, I'll give you a $20 Amazon gift card, okay? So if you're under 18, if you memorize this mission statement because I think this is worth living for, um, come and share that with me. Um, Emily, you're above 18, I believe, or you're, you're, you're too old. So don't get, don't get too excited. So I'll give you a $20 Amazon gift card if you want to just come and recite that to me. And if you are the second person, I'll say, sucks to be you. Um, second place is first loser. But if you're the first, then you'll get the gift card. So next week, under 18, let me know. You'll get a prize. But our mission is to connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. But um, hear me out. If we ever lose focus of this as a church, the moment that we stop being about mission, that's the moment that we start living for ourselves. The moment that we stop being about mission, that's the moment that we stop living for others. The moment that we lose sight of our mission is the moment that we stop being obedient to Christ, and it's the moment where we really lose. And we'll dig into that a little bit more in a moment. But we're talking about an open door of effectiveness, an open door for a season of sharing and receiving and spreading the gospel. And by saying that, that almost implies that there are seasons where the door is not open to share the gospel. And so you might ask, Pastor, if this is a season of open doors to share and to receive the gospel, does that mean that there are seasons of closed doors? I think so. We won't dig too much into that, but I do believe there are seasons that we've experienced through history where the door was not as open as it is now. But here's what I want you to know. Regardless of the door is open or closed, Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 4 that we are to be ready in season when the door is open. And we are to be ready out of season when the door is closed. And if it seems like you're in a season of ineffectiveness of reaching loved ones for Christ, here's what I want you to know don't give up. You need to keep knocking on the door. Keep knocking. Jesus, um, I think it's Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, it is. Matthew 7, verse 7. He says, um, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So if you're running into resistance with spreading the gospel, keep knocking on the door. And in fact, I can even say, quit knocking on it, just knock it down. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, he says, um, Peter, talking to the disciple who declared that he was the Christ, he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so don't ever stop spreading the gospel, even if it means you have to go into, into the very gates of hell, because Jesus says you can actually knock them down. Don't ever give up on reaching people. The only time that you should give up on reaching someone in a certain content, in a certain point in time and history is if Jesus actually himself closes the door in order to open up another door of opportunity. That seems counterintuitive. Um, I'll explain that as we wrap up today. But I believe that right now, right now is a season of open doors. And in season and out of season, here's what I know. I know that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And so I know that the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus, the power and presence of Jesus made manifest through his Holy Spirit amongst us, it is power and we are to carry it wherever we go. And so while there may be seasons of closed doors, the Bible explicitly tells us that there are seasons for open doors. The first time we see this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And 1 Corinthians is a rough book. We're going to do a whole series on it next year, by the way, uh, on 1 Corinthians. Say, Pastor, are we going to talk about that issue in 1 Corinthians? We're going to talk about all the issues in 1 Corinthians. Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly, and there's not a lot of good (laughs) that's going on in Corinthians. We're going to talk about it. But in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 through 9, Paul is writing the letter to Corinth from the city of Ephesus. And he says this in verse 8. He says, to the Corinthian church. Guys, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. That's today, by the way. Today is the day of Pentecost. I will stay in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost, he says, for a wide door of effective work has opened to me. Paul the apostle, he says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus because a wide door for effective work has been opened and There are many adversaries. Here's how you can tell oftentimes that a door is open for effective work. The enemy gets in your way. A wide door of effectiveness, I can't say always, but I can say most of the time will be blocked by the enemy who in the spirit realm can see that the door is open and doesn't want believers like you and I to enter through, and so he'll be the gatekeeper. Religious people are often gatekeepers, by the way. Gatekeepers will try to prevent you from going through the open doors that God has before you. But if the enemy is in front of you trying to stop you to go through the door, you don't even worry about it. You keep going. It may hurt. It may be painful. It may take time. But the enemy literally cannot stop you. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And so you can just keep pushing and keep going through the door. Be persistent. Don't give up. There is an open door of effectiveness and the enemy is ticked off. But I'm happy the enemy is ticked off. If the enemy is ticked off, that means God is at work. It means there's open doors of effectiveness and we can actually just say, excuse me, I'd like to get in now. You can't be the doorman. I'm I'm actually going right through in Jesus name and you keep walking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that the Lord opened a door for him to preach the gospel in the city of Troas. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, they go back to their home base in Antioch. And they report to the church in Antioch that God had opened the door of faith to Gentiles. And so Paul is watching for open doors. And when Paul sees an open door, he goes through the open door. But sometimes God closes doors in sharing the gospel. And you say, again, that doesn't make sense. But let's look at this. Acts 16, one of the strangest verses in the New Testament. Talking here about Paul on his missionary journey. He's with Silas and he's with Timothy. And they are in what was called Asia Minor, but today is Turkey. And so they're in Turkey, the subcontinent of Asia Minor. And they're trying to take the gospel deeper into regions in modern-day Turkey to plant and begin more churches, reach more people for Jesus. And they're trying to take the gospel further into Asia. But it says in verse 6, they went through the region of Phrygia. How many of you, I wish that I lived in a place called Phrygia. It's just cool. Like... Man, what's Phrygia like? It's friggin' cold here. Um, (laughs) Phrygia. They went through the region of Phrygia and then Galatia. But then the most strange thing. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What? The Holy Spirit prevented them from spreading the word? And so they went to Phrygia and Galatia instead because of this, because the Holy Spirit was stopping them from going other places. And then it says, when they came to Mysia... They attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. What on earth? Here, the Spirit of Jesus closes the door this time around, but here's the reason why he does it. He closes that door and opens up another door of effectiveness to reach other people. In this case, Jesus literally opens up a door of effectiveness through a dream. It's kind of what we talked about last week. It's a dream that Paul has, and in the dream, Paul has a vision of a uh, prison guard who is begging him to come to Macedonia, which we know today as Europe, to preach the gospel. And it's not that God didn't care about the people in Asia Minor, it's that God already had plans in place to reach the people in Asia Minor, and sometimes God closes a door of effectiveness in your ministry, in your work, in your Place in the city you live in because it's actually a way that he's moving you to somewhere else where there are people that need you there. And so while you are in the place that you are in, be content and seek what the Lord's will is for your life, but always be open for open doors for God to move you somewhere else. And so in verse 16, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they cross, I think it's the Aegean Sea. I don't have a map in front of me, but they cross the sea and they end up on the peninsula of Macedonia. And it says, there was one there who heard us. This we can learn um, Luke is with them as well because he's writing this. So one who, is, wh- one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. Lydia was from the city of Thyatira, and Lydia was, I-, I love her profession. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a seller of purple goods. Lydia was a seller of purple goods. Um, Caleb and I were up in Seattle for a conference a couple weeks ago, and we were roaming around Pikes Place Market, and they have a store there called the Purple Store. And you might think, Pastor, wasn't it just nauseating to enter into a space where everything was purple? And the answer was yes, it was. They had purple everything. But strangely, we found like a section that like, there was like an area of like non-purple things. like, Do they know this is here? Um, there was literally like five things on the back shelf that weren't purple, just in case you didn't want purple. But Lydia was a seller of purple goods. Now, the reason why is that purple dye was known in this region. It was extremely expensive. It it wasn't common like it is today. And so, Lydia, what Luke is trying to say is the lady's got some money, okay? You sell purple, you got money. And so she's a seller of purple goods. And it says that she was also a worshiper of God. So she knows of Yahweh. She knows of the God of Israel, the God of the Jews. But she does not know about Jesus it says, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. When Peter told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Each and every one of us who have made a profession of faith in Christ, the Lord is the one who opened our hearts, okay? The Lord opens our hearts. We can't open them on our own. The Lord does the work. So the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So there's times the Lord opens up people's hearts to hear. And in those times, you don't want to miss the opportunity to share. And I believe we're in that time right now. And if you look at it this way, uh, you know, each of us right now, we're all living in um, the United States of America. Um, If we don't have European heritage, um, it's – because of some European heritage that we're living where we are now. And so I'm not trying to say Europeans are better than other heritages, but what I'm trying to say is if the Lord would not have closed the door in Asia Minor for Paul and Silas and Timothy, then the door would have never swung open into Europe. And if God had not closed that door, if the spirit of Jesus had not prevented Paul from going into these other regions, you and I actually wouldn't be here today. So it's because one door closed that another opened that enabled us to hear the gospel because Europe is involved in all of our stories because we're here. Does that make some sense? It's like God will use closed doors to open doors to other areas. And you say, well, what about Asia Minor? Again, God already had a plan. In fact, that's kind of became one of the bases of the church was all of these cities in Asia Minor and Uh, The apostle John ended up living there, and Paul did so much ministry work there. Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, ended up living and dying there. And so God had it covered, okay? Asia was covered. Europe was covered. God is covering the world with the gospel. So because God opens doors like this, because God opens doors of effectiveness for preaching the gospel for entire people groups and regions, because it's God who opens people's hearts, you and I ought to be praying that God will open doors for us to share him more clearly. Colossians 4. Paul says this. At the same time, pray for us. Pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Well, Paul, isn't the door always open? Well, you've got to keep pushing. you got to keep knocking. But let's pray that God opens a door. Pastor, I thought you said that you won't pray for open doors for people. You pray that God will close doors. Yeah, but when it comes to the gospel, I'm going to pray all day long that God opens all the doors. I want to go through open doors of sharing the gospel. So pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Some of you may be praying for God to open a door to a foreign country so that you can go and share the gospel when you've got about 350 million open doors in the United States of America and God says, are you reaching the people here? Because you need to be sent other places too, but are you reaching the people in your life now? Don't pray to be called by God on mission to some faraway land if you're not willing to reach the people in your own land. So at the same time, pray for us that God may open a door to us to share the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Paul is in Rome as he is writing this letter. He is in prison. Paul faces some really nasty prisons. Paul ends up being beheaded for his faith in Christ. So Paul, he didn't have it good, but I, uh, my wife and I have stood where this prison was in Caesarea. It was kind of nice. It's <laughs> like if Paul's going to be in prison somewhere, this is a pretty nice place to be, and he actually got to like roam around the town and stuff, and if you're going to be in prison, this is the place to be. But he says, hey, guys, I'm in prison right now for sharing the gospel, but I want you to pray. Don't pray that I'll be freed from prison. Don't pray that the door of the prison will be open so I can be set free. Here's what I want you to pray about. I want you to pray that I have an open door for the word because I want to declare the mystery of Christ, that I might make the mystery of Christ clear. This is how I'm supposed to speak. So pray for an open door. You see, oftentimes open doors for the gospel mean closed doors of human comfort. If you feel like doors of physical comfort are closing for you, it may be because doors of effectiveness of sharing the gospel are flung wide open. What does that mean? That means when we serve Christ faithfully, when we preach God boldly while suffering, If we serve God faithfully while being persecuted, if we serve God faithfully while being in prison, if we share the gospel boldly while we're dying of cancer, if we are declaring our faith in Jesus Christ while we're going through a brutal divorce, I'm telling you, that's an amazing opportunity. That is an open door to be a light in the darkness. Over the last month and a half, um, two well-known theologians and pastors um, died, both right around 70 years old. One was Dr. Michael Heiser. Another was a pastor many of you know of named Timothy Keller. Both of these men died of cancer. Both of them suffered um, very harshly for about a year up until their death, but they continued to tweet. They continued to make YouTube videos. They continued to make podcasts. They continued to preach, and they weren't complaining. In fact, they were anticipating with joy the day that they would meet Jesus, but they chose to be faithful while their bodies were withering away to share and to spread the gospel because the shorter their time got, the more opportunity they actually had to be a light in the darkness of their own situation. And so don't pray for comfort. Pray for open doors to share the gospel. Yes, and when God opens the doors to share the gospel, I'll have it made. Probably not. I, I'm concerned about the church today. I was, I was looking at an Instagram post by this well-known celebrity pastor, and he was surrounded with about 12 really well-known celebrity pastors who all had churches of tens of thousands of people who were all very wealthy. They were in a mansion, and I was just like, it's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's good. But it was almost as if, like, this is the goal. The goal isn't what we have. The the goal isn't, like, how good we look. The, The goal is not, like, Look at all of our success. The goal is Christ. The goal is open effectiveness. And, I, and I, man, I support these, these men and women that were in this picture. Like, yes, amen, it's good. But, but it's, it was just given the wrong vibe. And I'm sure it was done with good intention, but it, it, it wasn't a good result. What are we doing? Are we more concerned with comfort than we are the gospel? Or are we more concerned with the gospel than we are with our own comfort? See, one reason I believe we're in a season of open doors right now for effectiveness is that we have this amazing opportunity now to be a light in utter darkness. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is a pretty dark place right now. Um, In our lifetime, we have not seen a time this dark before. There have been seasons of history that have been equally as dark and in some ways more dark. But, but you and I have never seen darkness like this before. And you say, Pastor, give some examples of darkness in our nation. And, like, I, don't, I really don't need to. You, you can just see it. Not only can you see it, but, like, you, you, can, you, you can, like, witness it firsthand. Um, I believe that one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons I believe we're in a season of Open Doors is just watch, watch the enemy, like, show himself. Watch the demons start to make themselves known. Watch the wildness in our in our streets. Watch, watch how blatant the enemy is in his progressive attack towards our children. Just watch. It's actually a sign of open doors because the enemy does not want what God is about to see. Right now, you and I are in a time and place where the majority of our nation has a negative view of everything surrounding what we're doing here today. The majority of our country has a negative view of. Not just the church, but specifically the local church. The local church, our community, has a negative view of what we're doing. Where the local church used to be the center of a community, now we are um, the disgust of the community. We're in a time and place where the majority of the nation has a negative view, specifically of pastors and clergy and ministers. Where there were times past where... uh, um, older minister friends and family like yeah we'd walk into the dentist office and the dentist would be like today it's on us because you're a pastor today it's like we want extra <laughs> because you're a pastor there's a restaurant my wife and I go to often and uh, one of the servers there um, just started pestering me about what I did for a living and I was like well yeah I don't, I don't really want to talk about it it's like, no I just I just really want to know what you do for a living I'm like well you know I well yeah uh, no, I, I'm a pastor of a church okay and she was like wow interesting and she, she came back later. She's like, why did you have such a hard time telling me what you did for a living? like, why were you ashamed of it? Now, that, that could have been like the Holy Spirit saying that, but it, it wasn't. Because I was like, oh, trust me, I'm not ashamed. It's just that people act weird when they find out. And she's like, no, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's great. Oh, crap, I can't cuss around you anymore. And I'm like, that's it. That's the acting weird. I, whoa, I'm sorry for See, now it's all weird. But the people, the the world around us has a negative view, specifically of evangelical Christianity. You and I are in a time and a place where Christianity is no longer the culture that we live in. You and I live in a time and a place where Christian hypocrisy is the perceived main factor keeping people from the faith. And you and I live in a time and place where the belief in God that we have in America saw the biggest decline in our history in just the last five years. So in the last five years, belief in God decreased 6% in five years. And it used to be you could say with certainty that 90% of Americans like believe in God, but that means all sorts of things. It doesn't mean that 90% of Americans know Jesus or believe in the God of the Bible, but that's, it's actually plummeting. All of this, and you and I live in a region that's one of, if not the most unchurched regions in our nation with the most hatred towards God. You say, Pastor, this, this is all bad news. The door the doors slam shut and locked, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. Here's, I actually think these are the reasons why we have the greatest opportunity. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, and think of it in light of all these statistics I just shared. Peter says, but we are a chosen race, not race like you and I think, the color of your skin, race being the children of God. We, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood, mediating between man and God, being a connection point between man and God as followers of Jesus. He says, We are a holy nation. Israel? No. America? No. The kingdom of God. He says, we, brothers and sisters in Christ, are a holy nation. We are a people for God's own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of God who has called us out of this darkness. It's marvelous. You and I live in this darkness right now. But while we're in the darkness, we are to proclaim the excellence of God who called us out of this darkness is marvelous light. And we focus and fixate so much on how dark the world is instead of focusing and fixating on how much light there is in God and how much light that we can expose to the darkness around us. And I think that the darkness that we are in, that might as well be a giant flag that's saying, it's open doors. The darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. You ever been in just like utter darkness before? A a friend and I, a couple of years ago, we went into a cave and rafted on a lake in a cave. Doesn't that sound cool? Some of you are like, no, that's terrifying. No, we were all about it. And we were deep in this cave, rafting on this lake, and we're like, let's turn off our headlamps to see how dark it is. And holy cow, it was dark. We were like half a mile in, no light at all, and just sitting there in the utter blackness. You could feel how dark it was, and every single noise was a demon coming to eat us alive. Drip, <laughs> whoa, you know. My wife and I were at a hotel in Seattle uh, at that conference I mentioned earlier two weeks ago, and like this hotel room was like the darkest hotel room I've ever seen in my life. There was like, I, I got up to go to the bathroom. I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing. It's so, so I just like... Feeling my way around because they had these blackout curtains that basically was like a black hole that sucked out every ounce of light from the room. (laughs) But just a little bit of light makes all the difference in the dark. But we haven't been called to shine a little bit of light. We've been called to shine the light, the excellent light of the God who's called us out of this darkness is marvelous light. See, we need to see the darkness as an opportunity. And while everyone is trying to fit into the darkness, it's a great time to stand out. It's a great time to set people straight on what the gospel actually is. I want to share with you something that was so encouraging to me. And I asked Ladina to keep me accountable to this. I'm I'm telling you I'm going to send you some to read if you'd like on email this week and same with um, social media because I was just, It was a good reminder. This is open doors. And I didn't find this until Wednesday. But teenagers in America right now, oh, yep they're all going to hell. Teenagers in America right now, 52% of American teens uh, of all types surveyed recently said that they were very motivated to continue learning about Jesus, 52%. It was higher than the boomer generation, 25% of American teenagers were somewhat motivated to continue learning about Jesus. That's 77 percent. Seventy-seven percent of American teenagers. That's why I've I've been talking every week during the series. Generation Z, it is the changing generation. It is the pivotal generation. It's where things are going to change. Generation Z, 77 percent are interested in knowing more about Jesus. 73% of teenagers in America want to continue to grow spiritually. They might not know what spiritual is, but we're here to introduce them to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of God who can give life and who can bring light into the darkness. 73% of teens want to grow spiritually. It was the highest demographic of other age groups. It plummeted with millennials. There's something different about this journey. Some, in, the, in the article, and it was, it was rightfully so, they were like, look at how much people's faith drop once they get out of high school. I'm not sure about that. If people's faith drops when they get out of high school, we're doing something wrong. We are. Moms, dads, pastors, church, we're doing something wrong. But there's, I'm telling you, there's something different about this generation. This is a season of open doors to walk through the door of faith. This is a season to let Jesus into the door of our hearts. This is the season to experience open heavens. It's a season of effectiveness, of receptivity to the gospel. And in order to walk through the door, we must be mission-minded. We must do this, not for us, but we must do this for Christ and for those who are literally perishing without Jesus. And so when you came to this today, I don't like calling this church I don't like calling this a service because it implies that, like, you're here to be served. And we call it church service because that's just what people call it. But, but I, it, it's, it's actually a dangerous idea that the church is here to be served. But this place that you're at, more specifically, this group of people, I, I would say, yes, it's a church. Trust me, I get church, ecclesia, called out ones. Yeah, the ones who God's called out, the separated ones. Uh, the ones who are here for a purpose. I know what church means, but but I like the phrase that the Spanish used when they started to plant churches up and down the California coast. I liked that they called them missions. And I'm not saying all the Spanish did with the native population was good, but I'm saying I like the idea of missions. This is a mission. This is a place we bring people to hear the gospel. This is a place that we see not as a holy hut, but we see as a huddle, which means that we gather and we're equipped and we're empowered and then we scatter to go and do the work. Missions are places where people are equipped to do the work of the ministry. This is a place where you and I share God's stories. This is a place where you and I share testimonies, where we share the gospel with those we come into contact with, not just in here, especially out there. This is a place where we bring people back that we encounter during the week to encounter and to hear the word preached and to experience the presence of God through worship. There is something special that we do here, not here. There's something special we do here, and it's our testimony. Our testimony is what we do when we gather. The Bible says people will know that we are followers of Jesus by our church services. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says people will know that we are Christians by our love, our love for, you know, our love for each other. A lot of times, the church does okay at loving the world, and the world does okay at loving the church, but the church sucks at loving each other. That's what all of Corinthians is about, church drama. I, I learned yesterday that drama that kids these days call drama tea. I did not know this. I've never felt so old in my life. But Corinth was all about that church tea. That sounds so stupid. It's gossip. It's drama. Tea. Tea time. So here's what I want to end this with. This is a mission. We're on mission. But I'm worried. Even though I just said it's a season of open doors, if I'm being transparent, I'm actually really worried about the church right now. I'm worried about this church right now. Because there are some things I've seen in the post-COVID world that that I, I, I think is um, dishonoring to God. There are some things I've seen in the church, and in, in this church too, in the post-COVID world that, kind of disgust me. What I've seen is the church turn inward more than I've seen it in a long time. I've seen this church grow inward. When God has always been a God who calls us out. Where God has always been a God who's called us out to go and who sends us to the gates of hell to break them. And I was trying to find ways to communicate this and it, it's hard because um, it sounds so harsh on you and, and I guess it, I guess it is. Be careful of the we statements that you make. Be careful of the I statements that you make. Be careful of the R statements you make. And I'll, I'll try and make that make more sense. Well, Pastor, we just need to focus on us during this season because of what happened during COVID. I've heard that so many times and said in different ways. There's been a lot of changes we, we kind of need to just, like, be all right together for a while. I'm not sure if we're ready to reach people because we haven't regrouped yet. That's garbage. It's a lie. You and I exist to spread the gospel. I am here as your pastor for God. I am here for you. But the only reason God called you and I to be followers of Jesus in the context we find ourselves in right now and didn't just snatch us up to heaven is because he wants us to reach those that he does not desire to perish. You and I are gospel spreaders. You and I are light bearers. You and I are good news preachers. That means we preach against sin and that means that we preach righteousness, but it means more than anything we preach Christ and him crucified. And I'm worried about you, church. Well, since COVID, it's been real hard to... Like, I get it. COVID wasn't your unique experience. We all went through it together. I get it. But it's not a time to stop being who God called us to be. And it's, not, it's not an opportunity like, whoa, let's just huddle for a long time until, until we're ready. You'll never be ready. You will never be ready. Now is the time. There is. I'm telling you, there's a season of open doors, and you're going to have to choose if you want to walk through it or not. And if you don't, you will miss the greatest opportunity, I believe, that this generation, meaning everybody alive right now, will ever see. I just believe it with all my heart. God is doing something. God is up to something. And if your focus is me, us, our focus has got to be him and them. It has to. A focus on him will always put focus on them, in that order. The church's focus can't be on them, the outside world, and then him. It's got to be him and them. Because when our focus is him, we have the desires that he has, and God does not desire that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God's desire is that all will be saved. We know that not all will be saved. That's not up to us. What's up to us is we bring the message. God opens hearts. We pray that doors are open, and we're just obedient, and we trust God with the results. The moment that we start living for me, we, and I, that's the moment that people stop serving and I, this is the biggest complaint I've heard from every church connection I have, is people stopped serving during COVID. And we've seen it at our church too. Not, not as bad as others I've heard, but it's not good right now either. Because if you're all about me, why would I need to serve we? The moment that we start to focus on us is the moment that we stop giving to support the ministry. We've seen that. The moment we stop focusing on Start focusing on us instead of him. That's the moment we stop connecting. It's the moment that we stop inviting other people. And I would say that's that's the biggest result of a me-focused church is that we stop inviting people. And then the irony is is that you stop coming. The more you stop inviting people to join you in mission at church is the less you come, and you'll eventually quit coming altogether. You say, no, 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 if we're focused on us, then we're going to stay tight. That's not how God made it. It's just not. The church grows and is healthy when it reaches people. If it's focused on itself, it dies. It dies, it dies, it dies. It's what happened in Europe. Paul brought the gospel to Europe. You go to Europe today. Churches are museums and nightclubs. There's a new move of the spirit happening, but it's hard soil to till. Don't let that happen on your watch. When this becomes about us, it's not worth our time. If you came here to check a box on your religious card, this is not worth your time. If you came here because this is just the right thing to do, it's not worth it. I want to invite you to come and encounter Christ. Come and hear. Come and pray for each other that you may be healed. Come and experience the presence and power of God. Come here. Come here. Go in peace. And go with purpose. And point people back to where you found it. Not this, but him. Exist remission. So I end our message with this little statement here. mission is why we exist. It's why we exist as a church. Vision is not why you exist. Vision is who you desire to be. Vision is what you want to become. Next weekend, it is the most important message in this series. Memorial Day will be over. Bring people with you next week. Our message is going to be about vision. And again, it sounds weird, but literally the, the idea of the message is to have an open tent flap. When you go camping, you open up the flap to exit. We're going to talk about vision next week. But as a church, we have what we call DNA. And DNA is really how we do church. It's the culture of us that makes our church unique. Every church has its own culture, its own DNA. And we have this DNA statement as a church that says this, we're the Coast Guard and not the Yacht Club. You ever been to a Yacht Club before? Yacht Clubs are boring. There's no yachting in yacht clubs. It's sitting on yachts and talking about the times where you did yacht, which was like once, and you sit on $300,000 boats and dream of yachting. Yacht clubs are self-serving. Yacht clubs are all about leisure. Yacht clubs are all about worldly possessions. Yacht clubs are all about me. The Coast Guard is all about serving. The Coast Guard is all about rescuing. The Coast Guard is all about saving. The Coast Guard is all about purpose. The Coast Guard is all about them. So many of us live as Christians in a yacht club as we sit on our yachts while there are people drowning all around us. Whereas the church, we're called to be the Coast Guard who jumps into the water to save those who are perishing. And so the statement about this DNA statement is this. It's not about us not about us and being comfortable. Some of you are bitter because someone at this church offended you. It's it's not about you. It's not about us and being comfortable. What's it about? It's about reaching those who are perishing without Christ. It's about reaching those who are perishing without Christ and exponentially growing God's kingdom. While there is this wide door of effectiveness, if the church in America, and even this church, if we continue to have a yacht club mentality, if we continue to be, well, what about us? You'll, you'll start to mothball the Coast Guard ships. You'll start to put away the life preservers. You'll stop going out on mission, and you'll creep closer and closer and closer to being a yacht club. And if the church in our nation, and, and I, I will say, even this church to some extent, if we don't figure this out, we're going to miss the door. And in five years, if churches aren't careful, this church, every church, if we're not careful, we'll end up a yacht club. The sad thing is some of you would be happy about that. I have no desire to be a president of a yacht club. I won't. We're called to be on mission. Some of you have grandkids right now perishing without Christ. They need Jesus. Don't give up on them. Do not give up on the mission of Christ. Do not become ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation to those who believe. The gospel is actually good news. Sometimes we're surprised when people receive the gospel so readily because we forgot it's actually good news. And if you can invest into the church, the mission, if you can invest into young people, you might say, well, I'm not into this or this or this. It's not about you. Now's the time to push in, not to pull away. You don't want to miss the opportunity. Well, I got to get my life in order first. I got to bury my father. I've got to tell my family. I've got to figure out what to do with my riches. You see, there were all these opportunities where Jesus said, Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. And a lot of people said, But I will win. And Jesus says, Whoever goes and turns his back and um, back towards home and away from the plow, he's not worthy to plow the field, is um, paraphrasing with Jesus. Jesus wants you now, not when you're ready. Jesus wants you right now. Some of you are being called into ministry. It's not when you're ready. It's, it's If he's calling you into it, you walk through the door. I'll go into ministry when this thing goes away in life. That thing's probably not going to go away. Um, but put your hand to the plow come on, let's let's do this while we're in this dark world. Let's be in this darkness, but bring a light. In the hard time you're going through, actually, that's your greatest opportunity. A a lot of people pull away from serving when they're going through a hard time, and and I get it to some extent, but most of the time, it's the worst worst mistake people make in a hard time. Because when you stop, you don't usually start again. and You start to fall away. As a church, I'm going to be leading you out of your comfort zone. As a church, I want to be leading you to reach those in your life who are perishing without Christ. And I want to invite you to take your focus off of you. I want to invite you to take your focus off of the empire that you're trying to build and to put your focus on Christ and the kingdom that he is building. So, the next couple weeks. Bring everybody you know. We're going to talk about vision next week. Open 10 flaps. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about open windows. God wants to bless us, and there's, there's some things that we're doing that are prohibiting us from really realizing the blessings of God in our life. We're going to be talking about open windows, and then we're going to challenge you to really reach your neighborhood, reach your friends. We're going to do some exciting things. I'm excited on June, whatever the last Sunday of June is, June 25th, we're having a 1990 Sunday. And if that's not going to get you to church, nothing will. <laughs> the greatest generation. <laughs> So would you guys stand? We're going we're gonna to close out a couple songs. If you need to know Jesus today, if you don't know Christ, he, he wants relationship with you. He wants to save you by grace, and he wants you to receive him in faith. If you need relationship with Jesus while we're singing, I just want to ask you to come up to the altar. We have this door here. Every week during the series, we're just opening that door, and we're asking you, walk through that door. It's an act of faith. Walk through that door to say, today I'm making a choice to... And one of those choices you can make today is, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And I want you to let one of our pastors know on the other side of this door. We're just going to celebrate with you, pray for you, send you in the right direction. But here's what God put in my heart for today, and then you're going to sing. Some of you have people in your life now that are absolutely perishing without Christ and without a miracle. They're going to hell. I, I try to find a nice way to say that. Why would I try? Without a miracle, they're going to hell. Without a miracle, they'll miss out on a relationship with Christ. Heaven's not my focus. Jesus is. Without a miracle, they won't know Jesus. And if there's someone in your life that you think is so far from God, and there's even part of you that's like they're unreachable, I'm telling you that's an open door. And I want you today to walk through this door and carry that person in your heart. Carry them through that door and say, In faith, I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe in faith that God will reach them, that God will open the door of their heart to receive the gospel. And I'm going to pray that someone else will do it, because that's what most of us do. Don't walk through a door and pray for your loved one's salvation if you're not willing to share the gospel. Don't be hypocritical. God, make me bold to share the gospel with them. God doesn't want a stranger to reach your friend for Jesus. God wants you to reach your friend how unfortunate would it be if they found Jesus and they didn't understand why you wouldn't tell them. This is so great. Why didn't you tell me about it? So I want you to come and get prayer for your loved one who doesn't know Christ, prayer for boldness to share with them. So God, so be it. Let us worship you, bring these things to you in prayer. Lord Jesus, let this word sit firmly on our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.